You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. John Harris, sideline analyst, Texans Radio Network, Texans Team Channel here on TuneIn. John, as always, we appreciate the time. Let's start under center. Now that we have a larger sample size to evaluate Tom Savage, have you seen improvements since he got the starting job? Well, I think it would be difficult not to, considering how the game against the Colts went. But I think Tom has gotten better and better. He threw for 365 last week. And in a game in which the Texans couldn't run the football at all. I mean, Tennessee basically said, you're not going to run the football. Savage is going to have to beat us. And he almost did. 365, 31 of 49. He threw the interception on on the last play after a huge 4th and 19 conversion. But, yeah, he took a shot for the end zone, and I I didn't have a problem with it, but Tom's come a long way, a really long way. And and here's the thing to keep in mind, because people here in Houston seemingly have have lost sight of this, and I think Cordell could probably speak to this at some point. They had already changed the offensive line, so there were two pieces that moved on the offensive line. He had lost Bruce Ellington, Braxton Miller, running back Alfred Blue. His one other receiver, Chris Thompson, had gone out in the first half, he was down basically to DeAndre Hopkins, Steven Anderson at tight end slash wide receiver, Andre Ellington, who had been there for about a week and a half, and Chris Thompson, who's played probably all of about 20 plays at wide receiver this year as a rookie. That's all he had for essentially the last three quarters of that game, and he nearly pulled it out in the end. I think Tom Savage has come a long way. It just hasn't been good enough in the red zone, and I think that's the one thing that separates him from being, I think, a true starter in the NFL. If he could be better in the red zone, I think there'd be a lot of teams, Houston included, very interested in what he could do going forward. Give me your take on uh, Deshaun Watson. Where is he right now as far as rehab is concerned? Well, it looks like, Cordell, he's going to be ready to go for 2018. I mean, it's weird. Social media is kind of a strange beast because you end up seeing everything that he's going through in the locker room. And the other day, he... Snapchat, Snapchatted, and chat snapped. I don't know what you call it, but he snapped a video of J.J. Watt and himself dancing in the in the uh, training room. And as you remember seeing that, feeling kind of sad, like, man, those guys look so happy. And I think the happiness came from they had each other to kind of, kind of get through the injury. But the other part of me was like, man, I could really use you two on the field right about now. And that's the thing, the Texans – could use those two and about a dozen others. Sunday was about as body bag a game as I've ever seen. We had five guys leave with concussions. At one point, we only had 36 position players available for the remainder of that game, and yet still somehow pulled it out against the team that's 8-4 at their place. Chatting with John Harris from the Texans Radio Network and the Texans Team Channel here on TuneIn. John, thank you for giving us the mitigating circumstances that led to a bizarre conclusion in Tennessee. Take us through that endgame sequence when Tom Savage is trying to drive down the field and your team is moving in the wrong direction because of the changes on the offensive line. John, I don't think I've ever seen that many false starts on one series. It was the craziest thing I've seen, I've been around football a long time and I've seen crazy lateral plays and Hail Marys and whatever else. I saw some quarterback throw one like 75 yards in the air one time, like in this place called Michigan. And that was wild. I'd never seen that before, but it was fourth and four and the Texans were down by four. And Jeff Allen, who had moved from guard out to tackle and actually had done a pretty good job. He just 
started moving early. And, and I think at that moment, Jeff looked out there and he saw, you know, Brian Arakpo, and, and he knows Rack is quicker than he is. He's trying to get a little bit of a jump. But also one of the things that Texans actually have done this year, which not many people have talked about and even locally have mentioned it, but Nick Martin sometimes is, a, is just a half a beat slow with the snap when they're going silent count. Well, at that point, they were going trying to go with a verbal count, and he, he then false started. Well, then the Tennessee crowd got jacked up, so then they still kept going with a verbal count, and he jump-started, he false-started again, and then he did it a third time. And we're like, oh, man, this game was, was right there. Go down, score a touchdown, and win. It's fourth and 19. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? And then Savage throws an incredible ball to Steven Anderson gets the first down. I mean, the emotion meter was all over the place. He just picks it up. they got to review it. It stands. Like, oh, my gosh, they could win this in the next play's interception. I've never seen three false starts in a row like that on the same guy. And Bill O'Brien said, look, they weren't all on Jeff Allen. He actually played pretty well. But three of them in a row, I, I don't think I'd ever seen that before. At that point, I don't know, maybe it should be a rule that you mandatorily have to punt after that. But thank God they didn't because Savage and Anderson came up with a huge play just after it. You mentioned Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt actually being in the training room, getting themselves together, jumping around or what have you. But J.J. Watt was named the co-sports person of the year by Sports Illustrated. Uh, how big of a, an award is that for him and, and, and what's being talked about in the locker room based on the things he's done along the time in which that city in Houston needed during the time of, of the uh, catastrophe and hurricanes that was taking place in that, in that community? Well, you guys know professional athletics. Guys get traded, drafted to places they've never been. Uh, they never thought about going. And here you have J.J. Watt from Wisconsin who is drafted on draft night in his booth. And he comes to Houston, and you're thrown into this city that is completely foreign because I've done that before. I've been the Wisconsin kid who moves to Houston. I did that back when I was 11, and I thought I was coming to a foreign country. And I guarantee you, J.J. probably felt that same way. And now that I've been here for 34-plus years, I am a Houstonian. And I can say, and I know a lot of people feel this around the country, that when a player comes and he embraces your city, you grow attached to him that much more because you feel like now he's one of your own. And that's the way this city feels about J.J. Watt. They feel like he's one of our own, that he is so proud to be a Houston Texan. Jose Altuve is so proud to be a Houston Astro. And that there's such pride in playing for the organization in our town. And that, I think, to me, spoke volumes uh, of everything that they did. And, look, we were, we were in New Orleans and had gotten uh, forwarded on to Dallas, basically, because we couldn't get to Houston. And J.J. called up Amy Palsik, head of our PR department, and said, I'm just going to do this and see what happens. And it was to start a fund. And he put hundred grand in it. He wanted two hundred grand, and he had two hundred grand in five minutes. And it just kept going up and up and up. And what he has done for the city, the way that he claims the city is his own, and the, and the city claims him back, to me, I think it's a beautiful thing, and I think it's a great thing. And to see that last night at Fallon, it was really, it was really cool. And I got to admit, it brought a tear to my eye being a true Houstonian, now being here thirty plus years. Amazing work and a well-deserved honor. John, let's wrap it up with the next game on the schedule. Texans hosting the Niners on Sunday. What kind of challenge do you think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to present San Francisco coming off their win on the road in Chicago? Well, I know the last time that I was with you guys, we saw the Texans against Jimmy Garoppolo. 
and we got to see him at training camp for a few days. So I think that's going to help a little bit. And then had a preseason game against him where the Texans picked off Garoppolo that led to the game-winning touchdown. It's preseason. It's different. It's going to be a different scheme. But at least you get some of the, the, some of the nuance in facing Garoppolo. It's a quick release. He's not scared to get out of the pocket and run if he needs to. Uh, you're going to have to contain him and, and hem him in the pocket. The only good thing, if there is one, is that San Francisco struggles in the red zone and struggled last week in the red zone as much as the Texans did. So from that standpoint, the Texans can at least put a couple touchdowns on the board. That's going to give them a big advantage. But, hey, look, it's a game the Texans, I don't want to say should win, because they should have gone to Baltimore and got hammered. But they were in that ball game, and you can make case could have won, should have won. They went to Tennessee, and if they get one break and go their way down the stretch, they beat an 8-4 team with all they had going against it. So if they can go in there relatively healthy, get a couple guys back off the injury report, I think they're going to go in there and compete and get everything they got, even at 4-8. and eight. And it won't matter that San Francisco is 2-10 and 10 or whatever it is. They're going to go compete because that's what this team has done. They stuck together ever since the time of the Greenbrier, all through all the injuries, through all the ups and downs, and they compete. They just don't score a lot of points. So if they can score just a few more this week, they'll have a chance to win this game. John, as always, we appreciate the information. Watch out for the popo with the sirens in the background, and we'll chat with you next week on the NFL on TuneIn. You got it, guys. I don't think they're after me, though, which is a good thing. <laughs> See you guys. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on. Tune in.